This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Evolution by John Goolsworthy. Read by Adrian Pretzelis. Coming out of the theatre, we found it utterly impossible to get a taxicab and although it was raining slightly, walked through Leicester Square in the hope of picking one up as it returned down Piccadilly. Numbers of hansoms and four-wheelers passed, or stood by the curb, hailing us feebly, or not even attempting to attract our attention, but every taxi seemed to have its load. At Piccadilly Circus, losing patience, we beckoned to a four-wheeler and resigned ourselves to a long, slow journey. A sou'westerly air blew through the open windows, and there was in it the scent of change, that wet sense which visits even the hearts of towns and inspires the watcher of their myriad activities with the thought of the restless force that forever cries on, on. But gradually the steady patter of the horse's hoofs, the rattling of the windows, the slow thudding of the wheels pressed on us so drowsily that when at last we reached home we were more than half asleep. The fare was two shillings, and standing in the lamplight to make sure the coin was half a crown, before handing it to the driver, we happened to look up. This cabman appeared to be a man of about sixty with a long, thin face, whose chin and drooping grey moustaches seemed in permanent repose on the upturned collar of his blue overcoat. But the remarkable features of his face were the two furrows down his cheeks, so deep and hollow that it seemed as though the face were a collection of bones without coherent flesh, among which the eyes were sunk back so far that they had lost their luster. He sat quite motionless, gazing at the tail of his horse, and, almost unconsciously, one added the rest of one silver to that half-crown. He took the coins without speaking, but— as we were turning to the garden gate, we heard him say, Thank you. You saved my life. Not knowing either of us what to reply to such a curious speech, we closed the gate again and came back to the cab. Are things very bad? They are, replied the cabman. It's done with, is this job. We're not wanted now. And taking up his whip, he prepared to drive away. How long have they been as bad as this? The cabman dropped his hand again, as though glad to rest it, and answered incoherently, Thirty-five year I've been driving a cab, and sunk again into contemplation of his horse's tail. He could only be roused by many questions to express himself, having, as it seemed, no knowledge of the habit. I don't blame the taxis, I don't blame nobody. It's come on us, that's what it has. I left the wife this morning, with nothing in the house. She was saying to me only yesterday, what have you brought home the last four months? Ooh, put it at six shilling a week, I said. No, she said, seven. Well, that's right. She enters it all down in her book. Are you really going short of food? The cabman smiled, and that smile between those two deep hollows was surely as strange as ever shone on a human face. You may say that, he said, but what does it amount to? Before I picked you up, I had oh, one eighteen-penny fare today, and yesterday I took him five shillings. 
and I've got seven bob a day to pay for the cab, and that's low, too. There's many and many a proprietor that's broke and gone, every bit as bad as us. They let us down as easy as ever they can. You can't get blood from a stone, can you? Once again, he smiled. I'm sorry for them, too, and I'm sorry for the horses, though they come out the best of the three of us, I do believe. One of us muttered something about the public. The cabman turned his face and stared down through the darkness. The public, he said, and his voice had in it faint surprise. Well, they all want taxis. It's natural. They get about faster in them and time's money. I was seven hours before I picked you up, and then you was looking for a taxi. Them must take us because they can't get better. They're not in a good temper as a rule. There's a few old ladies that's frightened of the motors, but old ladies ain't never very free with their money, can't afford to be the most of them, I expect. Everybody's sorry for you. No one would have thought that... He interrupted quietly. Sorrow, don't buy bread. I never had nobody ask me about things before. And slowly, moving his long face from side to side, he added, Besides, what could people do? They can't be expected to support you, and if they started asking you questions, they'd feel it very awkward. They know that, I suspect. Of course, there's such a lot of us. The handsomes are pretty nigh off as bad as we are. Well, we're getting fewer every day, that's one thing. Not knowing whether or not to manifest sympathy with this extinction, we approached the horse. It was a horse that stood over a good deal at the knee, and in the darkness seemed to have innumerable ribs. And suddenly one of us said, Many people want to see are nothing but taxes on the street, if only for the sake of the horses. The cabman nodded. This old fellow, he said, never carried a deal of flesh. His grub don't put spirit into him nowadays. It's not up to much in quality, but he gets enough of it. And you don't? The cabman again took up his whip. Oh, I don't suppose, he said without emotion, anyone could f ever find another job for me now. I've been at this too long. It will be the workhouse, if it's not the other thing. And hearing us mutter that it seemed cruel, he smiled for the third time. Yes, he said slowly, it's a bit hard on us, because we've done nothing to deserve it, but things are like that, so far as I can see. One thing comes pushing out another, and so you go on. I've thought about it. You get to thinking and worrying about the rights of things sitting up here all day. No, I don't see anything for it. It'll soon be the end for us now. Can't last much longer. And I don't know that I'd be sorry to have done with it. It's pretty well broke my spirit. There was a fun got up. Yes, and it helped a few of us learn the motor driving. Well, what's the good of that to me at my time of life? Sixty, that's my age. I'm not the only one. There's hundreds like me. We're not fit for it. That's the fact. We haven't got the nerve now. It'll want a mint of money to help us. And what you say's the truth. People want to see the end of us. They want taxis. Our day's over. I'm not complaining. You asked me about it yourself. And for the third time, he raised his whip. Tell me, what would you have done if you had been given your fare and just sixpence over? The cabman stared downwards, as though puzzled by that question. Done? Why, nothing. 
What could I have done? But you said it had saved your life. Yes, I said that, he answered slowly. I was uh, feeling a bit low. You can't help it sometimes. It's the thing coming on you and no way out of it. That's what gets over you. We try not to think about it as a rule. And this time, with a thank you kindly, he touched his horse's flank with the whip. Like a thing aroused from sleep, the forgotten creature started and began to draw the cabman away from us. Very slowly they travelled down the road, among the shadows of the trees broken by lamplight. Above us, white ships of cloud were sailing rapidly across the dark river of sky on the wind, which smelled of change. And after the cab was lost to sight, that wind still brought to us the dying sound of the slow wheels. End of Evolution by John Galsworthy